Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Functional Man Podcast. This episode, I am just thrilled to get the perspective and courage of our guest out there. Our guest is James Perrazzo. He's a firefighter. He's worked both in the outskirts of Chicago and really busy uh, stations and districts. He now works for Denver Fire uh, on a ladder truck. This guy is one of the most courageous, down-to-earth guys that I know. And I don't say that he's courageous because of what he's faced on the fire ground. James is courageous because he has the courage to be vulnerable and honest about the circumstances that he faces that are the circumstances that we all face. Life is challenging and we are not always on top. We don't always have the answers or don't feel in control or don't feel like we are acting the way we should, like what we've been told how we should act as firefighters or men or fathers or moms or women. So by leading with this example, this courage to be vulnerable, he's opening the door to what I believe is the true foundation of decreasing the prevalence and the harm from mental illness and depression and anxiety, from stress injuries and PTSD, and decreasing the rate of suicide. He does that because he's facilitating conversations with his leadership about what we all face. And when we can be real about that with others, then that gives them that permission. It makes that easier for them to share what they're really going through. Now, I know that my own personal experience with suicide is not unlike that of many who's lost friends or coworkers or family members. Oftentimes, people are shocked afterwards because the person's public persona who died by suicide might be really upbeat and positive, and people say, I just didn't see it coming. What that speaks to, though, is that there's this duality. How people are demonstrating in public is not necessarily how they feel in private because they don't have the permission or uh, they're just not able to share what's really going on with them. So when we can share that, that we're struggling too, that we have these issues, that it's normal, I will tell you about what's going on with me because I want to know about what's going on with you. That authentic connection is the foundation to reducing the harm and the prevalence of mental illness and suicide in really all of society, particularly in emergency services. All right, we're we're actually recording this one. Okay, it's good to know. <laughs> Son of a gun. Whew. All right, welcome. So I'm Ben O'Brien. I'm sitting here with James Barrazzo. And we're going to do a second round of this. This is actually the fourth time we've talked, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is, uh, God, I think both at turns kind of difficult to talk about this stuff over and over again. And yeah. it's also really helpful, right? For sure. Yeah. Anyway, so welcome. Thanks for being on the Functional Man podcast. What we're about here is just taking a matter-of-fact approach, low-key, even humorous, to just being real about what we, what we work through here in the fire service and just God as an adults, right? And mm -hmm. our, our spouses and whatnot. So a little bit about James. So 
he's been with Denver Fire since February 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, moved out here from Chicago area uh, and worked uh, as a paramedic out there and both as a volunteer and career too, right? Career For a couple fire. small departments right on the western edge of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And you know what I was really struck uh, by you, a couple things is, is one, when you first told me that story, which I'll have you relate to these folks again about that medical call you ran when you were in paramedic school, mm -hmm. how clear it was to you that the preceptors you were working with, their approach was just wrong and not mm -hmm. helpful yeah. at all. Um, so I thought that was a great insight because it seems to me one of the traps we get in this business is like, oh, well, that's what all the old guys are doing. So my approach must not be right because the old guys don't do it. But I think that was some, a really wise um, observation that you had. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, so James grew up in Chicago. I remember you telling me a story when you were a little kid sitting on the curb watching Chicago fire, you know, come down the parade and, and like a lot of kids, but even more so because your dad knew a lot of firefighters and you'd spent time in the firehouse. But just the, the pride and how um, strong the emotions can be about the fire service. You, we just get connected to it. It's like, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I want to do. That's how I associate myself, being those guys that are there and people's, you know, it's cliche, they're hor most horrible moments, but it's true. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, so you wanted to do that your whole life, but ended up going through college before you kind of decided college wasn't really working for you and really you wanted to get back and, and pursue the fire service. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, that's, that was a really good summary right there. That, <laughs> that pretty much nailed it. So that's pretty, that's pretty good. Yeah. I think what's helpful to, for you, uh, for people to know about you is that, I mean, you're a really low key matter of fact guy. And so the last time we were talking, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you don't really like to talk about your fire stories, but I mean, working in the area you worked, you guys were busy on structure fires and, and calls and really significant calls, busy, busy, busy. And mm -hmm. um, a couple of calls you related that really struck out, stuck out for me was one in the, when you were in that building and you had the roof, the ceiling collapse on you and your partner and mm -hmm. a couple other guys in that room and block your egress, right? And mm -hmm. at that moment when you were like, well, this, we're done, mm -hmm. right? And some clear-headed thinking from you and your partner to get a hose line and, and, and take care of that. Um, and then that other situation where you ended up doing that rescue out of the basement, dragging that guy up, how humbling it is and how like easy it is for us to say, oh, I've got this, and then realize that this job can be way more challenging than mm -hmm. we can really anticipate, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I even think like it, it, even just kind of like talking about a situation like that, it's <clears throat> if wherever you in every corner of this career, there are there are situations where you feel like you've done a really good job of, of preparing yourself for a situation um, and so much so that you, you have uh, a pride and comfort in the way that like you are in those situations and like are you're comfortable about how you've prepared yourself for it. But then until you get into it, that's when you really realize that maybe I'm not prepared for this. And I think that, like that was one of the things I've realized. Um, it's the situation like you talked about, but even as far as like, um, just like taking care of myself through this, like that was the thing that I thought that I had a better grasp on it. But, um, I guess I didn't, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was in it that, that I realized. 
So you thought you had a better grasp on what the job entailed, like from those moments of, of doing that grab or? Mm-hmm. In... Yeah, so like I think when, in, for this particular situation, it was just like, you know, you, you in training, you, you go after, uh, if you're gonna do a down firefighter or a victim carry and, um, you know, the approach to training is very different than the stimulus that it, that is surrounded in an actual incident. And um, so just what I like assimilate that to is like your your thought process on a situation is very different than what it would be for you to be actually in it. Um, so, you know, preparing to drag someone up a stair, a flight of stairs, a tight stairwell from during a basement fire is way different than um, training for it, you know, there's a different set of stimulus and it was getting it done was extremely humbling. Um, and, but, but by the time I was done, I remember going back to the firehouse and talking with the, the, you know, all the guys I was there with. And I just remember just telling them like, guys, I was completely unprepared for that. Like it got done and you know, like, but it, it was amazing to me being in the situation, how many things that I felt confident in being able to do that when when it came down to it, like I didn't realize my dexterity was gonna change. Like I didn't realize that, you know, my hearing was gonna start like it was was gonna start softening up or um, you know, like that I, you know, I, I I took for granted what it was like taking someone up the stairs while people down down a flight of stairs were still fighting a basement fire so it was like um that was an interesting scenario so i I, you know i don't know the answer for that i know Mm -hmm. you know some of the training that uh we just hired a guy at south metro nick bartley who's worked with some special forces guys but it's it's trying to prepare in a general way for these situations when you're dysregulated, because mm-hmm. that's what you are. And I remember I, I've got a friend that's a uh, chief at uh, Boulder Fire now, but even 20 years ago, they had a fire uh, open hallway, uh, three-story condo building, and uh, the guys made an advancement up uh, some external stairs um, on one side, and it turns out there was another hose line coming the other way. Mm-hmm. But as the story goes, um, my buddy was uh, had a higher approach, so he could see down that hallway. Anyway, it was wind-driven fire. The doorway got opened up and just engulfed that hallway in fire. And there he saw this guy running towards the end of the hallway and was going to jump over this railing. And literally, like five steps before he got there, the hose line turned the corner and was able to abate all that heat. Um, and he remembers talking to his buddy. And he said, did you know where you were? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I was about to jump off a fourth floor balcony because he felt so overwhelmed, right? And it's, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's difficult to even picture that, but that was that guy's choice. He got so hot so quickly, he was gonna take a head dive off a fourth <laughs> floor balcony. So, yeah. Uh-huh. No. Which I don't know what the how productive this conversation is, other than mm-hmm. you know it, it it's real. But I I think anticipating those things can mm-hmm. cause us a lot of anxiety and. Uh, well, uh, to kind of land it, like I feel the thing is, in in the in these situations, like I feel like in the fire service, we still try to take this approach of preparing people for what was the 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 phrase you use. Um, 
just preparing people for for when they're when they're dysregulated. Dysregulated. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So being dysregulated in in a in environment in a fire environment is is there are so many variables. Um, so we try to train for those things. Um, <clears throat> as far as for like wellness goes, so like mental wellness. Um, you go on calls where you see people that have, um, you know, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, uh, bipolar disorder, um, you, you name it, right? Where they're like, we get the worst of those situations. And um, we don't put ourselves in the situation of what it would be like to prepare for something like that. And then when it happens to people that either we know or yourself, it's hard to take and try to take care of yourself in it because I feel like it's interesting to it's interesting to care for yourself in a situation that uh, not only did you not expect to be in, but you really don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess you wouldn't want to be in a basement fire getting your ass kicked up a stairwell either. But well, you know, I think it, it's funny because we do, right? Mm -hmm. We got in this job because we want to do those things. Mm -hmm. Right. And yet I think to, to land this plane, which is our, our, our phrase that you and I both enjoy, is mm -hmm. that the, this business is a mental game. It's extremely, um, there's a lot of mental input and a lot of mental rigor. Mm -hmm. And so to be a competent firefighter with a decent long term, we've got to take this mental game seriously. Mm -hmm. And we can address it from the mental illness point. I like to talk about mental fitness, right? Just as mm -hmm. our physical fitness is on a spectrum. Right, we can mm -hmm. be physically ill. We can be physically super fit. That mentality comes into it too. Mm -hmm. But just the mental preparation it takes, not only to prepare to be take an attitude of mental fitness. Um, so instead of saying, you know, associating yourself like I'm, I'm mentally ill or I have depression, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's something that can be worked on, like our physical fitness is. And I think mm -hmm. we neglect that. We it's hard for us to accept that you know, you have depression, like I have atypical bipolar, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, that's what it is. It would be like, I have high blood cholesterol and you have high blood pressure. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, it, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And if we can take, my goal is to normalize this stuff. It just, mm -hmm. it just is, it's not good or bad. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you and I discussed before the problem with firefighters and cops and, and paramedics is we think of mental illness and we think of a guy that smells like urine on the street and a hobo. It's like, well, mm -hmm. that's not me. Mm -hmm. And the challenge is to be really mature. And matter of fact, like, oh, well, I mean, there's there's high, high performers. Mm -hmm. You know, I can think of a few guys in the NFL. Um, can't remember his name, played wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, right? He's, he's got bipolar, right? So he's mm -hmm. performing in the NFL, making millions of dollars, or Terrell Owens, right? Mm -hmm. That was a guy, all pro wide receiver. And yet, you know, there was a mental aspect to his life that uh, wasn't working out for him. And until he took a just a realistic appraisal and probably got some help, it's like, oh, yeah, I need to improve in this game. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'd like to encourage people to talk about. But I want to go back to, to you and, you know, uh, tell me your story uh, about that call, that, that pediatric call. Yeah, sure. So, um <clears throat> I had an opportunity to to get my paramedic education with uh, Malcolm X College, and that was in Chicago. Um, and the 
Oh, they do all their, their ride time through the Chicago Fire Department. And it was, you know, obviously when we go out, we get the worst of the worst. And this was the, our particular scenario here was my first ride as a paramedic student. And um, I knew the crew I was working with already. Um, I knew the engine company there because I was a huge buff. And um, particular call was for a, a kid who fell off of a third-story balcony um, through a, a best way I can describe it is in your head picture a courtyard apartment complex and early 1900s build and off of the in Entering the structure, there was a stairwell that surrounded a light shaft so that you can be able to have daylight um, light up the egress during the day. So um, there was balconies and landings for where the apartments were, and um, the child fell off the balcony and um, landed directly on his head. And I remember... Uh, we got there second, the engine was there first, and I remember initially saying, like, uh, like they looked, like, scared, you know, immediately, like, hey, they already had them on a board, they're like, dude, weak PMS times four in all, or in all extremities, like, you guys need to go, and... This kid's, like, three? Three ish? years old, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um... And I remember immediately seeing posturing, you know, and it was like textbook watching all this stuff happen. And, you know, like, like pediatric calls, like they do really, really well. And then they drop off. Well, um, that thing played out to a T. And I remember like watching this kid start going from decorticate to decerebit posturing. And um, just his, his cry just started to weaken and started to teeter off and then stopped. And then we ended up like, bagging him and it's, I remember looking at his the the mother of the child sitting next to me on the bench seat as you're transporting back to the bus yeah as we're transporting to the hospital and um she's sitting there on her phone just like scrolling on Facebook mm -hmm. and that was the first thing that like pinged me off of like how this is more extraordinarily fucked up than I thought this would be <laughs> um you get to the hospital transfer care and I immediately go to follow uh, my preceptors to be like, in the corner, one of them, like, hey, can we, can we kind of talk through this call? I was really fucked up. And he's like, no, man, sorry. We got to get ready. On to the next one, dude. That's how this works. On to the next one. Right? We don't got time for that. And I immediately feeling, I remember feeling right away that that is extremely fucked up. Mm -hmm. To like not take a second to think about how horrible that was and like you know you were you were talking the other day about how like you know we want to protect um the the young and that, like it's just instinctual you know it, it was no one ever wants to see that happen to anybody but especially a kid you know and um i remember just like this was my come to jesus moment when in the fire service where like I saw some fucked up stuff before, but that was the one that just like tipped me over. And um, how old were you? I was twenty. Okay, 
so 24. And you'd been working as a firefighter yeah, before yeah. that, right? Mm -hmm. For how long? I was only a uh, firefighter for a year before that. Right, so. probably run several hundred calls, right? Yeah, right. so it's like figure, it, it, yeah, that was the one that tipped me over. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember just like getting back to the firehouse and like they just went on like nothing happened. And like nobody talked about it. And I'm like, there's no way that this is healthy. Like, and I remember right there at that point, uh, I made a choice. And that choice was that I'm not going to take and live my career approaching situations like that mm -hmm. the same way ever again. Like, because I knew right away that that was unhealthy. So, yeah, I think, you know, what, you know, a, a few things. I'm, that call came in as a fall, probably, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then involving a child, mm -hmm. right? And then so, you know, that engine company, I'm just thinking about myself when. I remember when I was really struggling with burnout and, and uh, late in my career, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen to me now, but when you hear these really significant calls, I remember a few calls like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't want to be going on mm -hmm. this. Like, it's sick, PD, this sounds bad. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be going, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, I'm, you know, so you show up in that emotional level that crew is going. Uh, and I think, you know, so it's interesting too, so, they obviously assessed the situation. It was really serious. Really wanted to move, which is professional behavior. Mm -hmm. And then the mom's reaction. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, like, does she even know what's going on, or is that her way of coping? Right, just disengaging. Yeah. That's like she's basically like sucking on a pacifier, just soothing right. herself. Um, who knows? Mm -hmm. Who knows? And then I'm curious, and I know you probably don't have the answers to any of these things. I'm thinking about that medic crew. Was that? like purposeful, they really felt the priority to get back in service. Um, mm -hmm. My guess is they were just trying, they didn't want to engage with that. They just wanted to compartmentalize it and put it behind them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way about that. <laughs> so, You know, you and I have talked about in the past, and I want to just to have you elaborate on it, this whole idea of compartmentalizing, mm -hmm. this idea of us trying to do that versus... Uh, any other alternative, which mm -hmm. is integrating with it or engaging with what we're going on. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> I feel like everything I've done as far as just like uh, diving into firefighter psychology, it talks about like our ability to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. And um, I've just seen um, for myself how not just for my, well, not just for myself, but for others around me too. Like how that idea of compartmentalizing things is, it's, it's not successful. Like there, it is, it has its place in certain, it has its, it has its place for a moment. But the problem is, too, is I feel like in this job, is there is too much in one compartment, and it always ends up spilling over, and then it mm -hmm. just gets into everything else, and. You know, I just feel like <laughs> I try to put this image in my head of like, what does that look like? Like, what does that look like for that shit to happen? And I just keep thinking of like a Belgian waffle, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> a Belgian waffle. And you're pouring syrup over it and like it's filling up one and just spills into the rest of them. And you're just like, that's what happens. It's just like, that's my, this is my box that is just for the job. 
and then the ones next to it are like my life, my my wife, my children, my home, my hobbies, uh, uh, my health, and everything else. And before you know it, this this box that, by the way, can it is not only is it is do you feel drawn into making this be a part of what you of what and who you are, like. The job is also asking you for this to be a part of who you, a part in what you are. Everything, everything in that box, that firefighting box, gets so filled up it just spills into everything else. And um, I'm not just speaking for myself. Like I see this in people I've been around for, yeah, yeah, for for years. You know, like. Well, I think it's a so technically it's an avoidance strategy, and it's yeah. a really good and useful and legitimate short-term strategy, mm -hmm. right? Particularly when you're on a call. I, I remember uh, as a medic, um, my, uh, my wife at the time would say, well, did you think about the family? I was like, no. Mm -hmm. I had a physiological um, object, really, that I was working on. I was worried about exactly. rhythm and yeah. pressure, mm -hmm. posturing, I'm seeing all those signs. And so I didn't because that's gonna interfere with my ability to actually treat the patient. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I drop the patient off at the hospital, that's when it's time to time out and say, okay, start thinking about the family or, or the next day. That's mm -hmm. why, you know, diffusings are so important in time. Yeah. So, but I think it's, it's, I also, it's a mis fundamental misunderstanding we have. Uh, and it's driven by society and it's driven by expectations of males of, oh, males, we just keep things in different areas, which is just bullshit, right? Uh, and women combine everything. That's true. Women tend to be more collaborative and they see connections. Mm -hmm. um, and men tend to see things as others. We see differences like more readily maybe than females. But that's only a basic trend, right? And it doesn't mm -hmm. mean we're, we're a computer and the women are, you know, an or organic. We're organic. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Like where is that box mm -hmm. in your head? And only the two is as far as like compartmentalizing versus integrating. Mm -hmm. Okay. You spend a third of your life mm -hmm. on compartmentalization. Roll so, with what your thoughts are. All right. So <clears throat> as far as like just trying to image it, like put it, put an image to it. It's like, even like you were talking about as far as like, at, you, we are, we are kind of told to, to, com to compartmentalize things. Mm -hmm. Like if it's, you know, people say keep your work life at work and keep your home life at home. You know, leave your boots at the door. Um, it's just expressions like that um, where it's like you got to separate these things. I think it's... Which, I, like, so that's great, but how the hell do you do that, right? Hey, leave your boots at the door so... The fact that you didn't get any sleep last night because you're running, maybe there, there was not any, they're all fire alarms or nothing mm -hmm. big deals. Like, so how are you supposed to leave your, you're just supposed to be this one person that always shows up as you know, Mr. Ben O'Brien, perfect husband and father when he shows up with no sleep in 48 hours. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, so I always just look at it as um, that if, if, if it is compartmentalizing and you just have these little boxes of things, it, the, the fire service one, being a firefighter is right next to your family, your children, your 
or sorry, your your home, your fit, your children, your wife, your hobbies, your health, um, friendships, everything that that firefighting box has eventually fills up mm -hmm. and just spills over and everything else. And I mean, like you were, you, you made a good point too, as far as just like, well, um, trying to be, trying to act like uh, a firefighter at home with, with your wife and, right. or your, or your husband and tell, and tell me how that works. Like, right. That, that shit doesn't work. <laughs> it's not going to work well. And it's, so it's like, and, um, I always look at it from an aspect of, of thinking about time, the actual time you spend with the people in your life. Like I've always, I, I feel called to, to, to be intentional with my time with people. Um, to, I take relationships with people seriously and um, I wanna develop and foster and help and love people well around me. So, but whether you, that's your approach or not, if you're in the fire service, typically you're gonna spend a 30 year professional career with the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it from a, an actual perspective of time spent with those people, hour to hour could be way more than the time you actually spend on your off days with your family mm -hmm. actually being around. So it's very hard for me to even think that there's a separation. Now, even though, even too, like, like my one thing that um, I'm sure I'm not alone in hearing this, uh, but I was just thinking about this sitting here. Like my wife always asks me or always says, like, I'm so tired of hearing about your work life when people ask you, other people ask you about it. And like, I'll hear about something that happened that I didn't know happened. And, um, your wife says that. Yes, like, my oh, wife says, yeah. That like, would have been awesome to tell me that. Yeah, and it's like, it's so funny because she's spot on. Mm -hmm. She's not wrong at all. Like, that's exactly what happens. But I still feel like it's still that, it's a different compartment, and I'm trying to keep wife away from, you know, firefighting compartment because this compartment's just either driving me crazy or it's just stuff that I don't want her to know, you know, um, and I want to keep these two things separate. And it's really interesting, too, is because, like, the, the longer we've been together, the more she wants to know. And truly, I think it's just because she wants to be able to care for me better, you know? What do you think she wants to know? Uh, well, let me, let me preface this. Is, is we find, one is what you said earlier, is, is being the firefighter or whatever your role is at home. Uh, when we've done couples nights... <coughs> <laughs> how comical <clears throat> and prevalent that is. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, direct orders, like that doesn't work for three-year-olds or your wife or mm -hmm. uh, rearranging the dishes in the dishwasher. You know, we're not just, they, they didn't marry a firefighter. Yeah, to, you know, to make sure that everything's squared away and yeah, the hose is washed and the rig's back together. They want mm -hmm. someone that's loving and caring. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of, it's very common for firefighters to respond to their spouse uh, we get home we there's obviously something we're off or whatever there's something different i mean there are spouses right so they mm -hmm. know us well uh, and then they say what's up james 
And, you know, something seems wrong. He's like, I'm fine. And we fundamentally, we've just lied to them, right? Because they mm -hmm. know something's off or mm -hmm. different. And we know it is. And then we say, nope, everything's good. And so that just adds this little seed of disconnection in these marriages. And my experience is that firefighters commonly say, well, I don't want to traumatize my wife and tell her about this femur or that kid or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But your wife doesn't really want, a lot of wives don't want the details. They just want to know your response to it. And mm -hmm. that's where we're, I think you said, this is just bullshit in the way in which we're approaching this. Mm -hmm. It's like, they want to know what's going on with you and your emotional response. Mm -hmm. And like it or not, as a man, we have emotions. Mm -hmm. So, because, uh, so I guess my question is to you, is like, what does your wife want to know? I think most of it is she probably wants to know like how I'm processing things mm -hmm. um, and a big statement she'll say is I am tired of feeling like you have a completely separate life away from me mm -hmm. and all I have is my life with you and our family and I get that that makes complete sense because there's a good portion of it she's right, you know, that it's, there is a lot of this job that, you know, you give of yourself away from your family, mm -hmm. you know, like you give a good portion of yourself away that your family could have, you know, with this job, but it's just part of it, you know, so. And it can be a beautiful thing, but yeah, mm -hmm. we're giving of ourselves physically, but also really emotionally and yeah. intellectually. And so we, we can't show up in that way. I think that's, I love that her interest is how are you processing this? Mm -hmm. Which comes back to the in compartmentalizing, which is a strategy of avoidance, which is powerful and effective and should be used in the short term because mm -hmm. it allows us to focus on the task at hand so we can get it done without an overwhelming emotional response, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, if you had, and your medics had been so upset during that pediatric call that you were in tears, you wouldn't have been able to do anything mm -hmm. for that kid. So obviously we have to focus, but that only goes on for a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so integration, what does that mean to you? Because I see it, I see is like there's avoidance and then integration, which is the only mm -hmm. way that we get through this fire career mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Well, <clears throat> I always look, I, I guess I just always think about it from just like a leadership perspective, and I'm not talking like a bugle in this, but um, leading people into, I guess, like having a, a good life, like at, at home and, or at, excuse me, at work, like from in my perspective and from what I've seen well is that um, the camaraderie and bond you have with your coworkers increases when you understand each other better. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you when you're more when you're more self-aware of or more aware of of your coworkers and and you know because I do truly believe in the brother and sisterhood that this trade has. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I've seen it and um, it's awesome. When you're, when you're, like, when you have that brotherhood, sisterhood, 
it is it is an awesome thing to see. Like one of my favorite stories is the last department I worked for, um, Broadview Fire was. <clears throat> every Saturday we would do family night, and we take in everybody's family would come to the firehouse, and we make like, mm-hmm. we'd make, you know, twenty pizzas. There's kids running everywhere. We got tables set out on the bay, you know. Uh, we had like a pool set up on the patio for the kids and stuff like that. And they would come for, you know, four hours, three, four hours. And chief would be there, you know, she'd show up. And it was just awesome because like the, the, the bond that that crew had, it was the best one I've had. Like we were all so tight, but it's because that there, there wasn't that compartmentalization. Like, we integrated, we understood like who our kids were and, you know, bonded with each other's families and knew the struggles of what each other were going through and um, were able to talk about like, you know what, I just got in a huge fight with Joy and I'm, you know what, I'm fucked up today. Like, I'm, I'm not having it today or, you know, uh, I'm, str- I'm, I'm in a real bad season of depression right now and I'm not sleeping and I feel like shit. And, you know, just speaking for stuff for myself and having guys being able to like, yeah, cool, dude. What do you need? You know, because mm-hmm. like really that's that's what it is. It's caring for each other in this because like the better because and what I just saw is like in that there was a better bond on the fire ground. Right. It was a way better bond. It was tighter. You know, we were more fluid and uh, you're able to understand and anticipate and read each other better, you know, so. There was a better integration I saw there. I think where the challenge is, is people are, do you think they're, they're concerned about managing those boundaries, right? Because on one hand, we say, don't bring your family uh, life to work. But what the old culture, and I think it is changing, is that's like, don't bring your family problems to work. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, how many guys do you know that have the picture of their kids on their helmet, mm-hmm. underneath their helmet? Or if you listen to guys that have been in situations like that ceiling collapse and I've had kids and they've said stuff along the lines of, well, I thought that was done. I was dead. I knew I was dead. And then Mm -hmm. my family popped into my brain and I knew I had to get out. Mm -hmm. So our family is always there. Our Mm -hmm. job is always there where we can support each other by like sharing these stories. I think and our actual techniques is how do we, how do we manage that? Like you're still a competent professional when you show up to work, uh, on your ladder company, even though you're maybe struggling with depression or even mm-hmm. though, you know, you've had something going on in your marriage, right? You can still show up and manage. And when we can acknowledge that just more readily that, yeah, I can still do this job. I don't have to be the lone wolf and handle it on my own. That's what you're talking about. Integration is mm-hmm. like, let's just start seeing our, each other mm-hmm. in this more holistic way. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I might've told this uh, on another podcast, but you know, <clears throat> one, I think it takes courage to say that I've, you've got depression, right. Or I'm struggling and mm-hmm. I, it takes courage because we were risking that disconnection from others. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it's like, screw it. Like it's, it's too harmful to do anything else. So you kind of, you owe it to yourself and you see that you owe it to other people. I remember when I was going through 
my divorce. I had a couple particularly rough mornings. I think I told you this last time, I'm laying on my kitchen floor, it's 5.30 in the morning, for shift, like crying in the fetal position, snot's coming out of my nose, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to work. Mm-hmm. That'll be the good thing I'll do, it'll distract me. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time I tried that, I made it till 9 a.m., and it's like, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. do it. And the second time was, you know, I made it till 10, but I was at a multi-company training, literally sitting on the back of bumper of a rig, uh, with snot coming out of my nose and the battalion chief saw me he's like get in my car and dozens of guys saw me like that sobbing mm-hmm. and i'd never heard one thing other than support from those people like wow that looked really rough mm-hmm. so i guess your challenge to people my challenge to people is like get over yourself of what you think it means to be a man and mm-hmm. think of yourself of what it means to be a human being first mm-hmm. yeah amen absolutely absolutely all right, I think we just put a pen in it then. <laughs> so thinking like what you've been through, right? A mm-hmm. young boy that wanted to just idolize firefighters and wanted to be that, got into that profession, um, seen a lot of calls, run a lot of fire, run a lot of acute calls, um, seen how dysfunctional like we can be and how we're approaching it. So what, like, what are the, what's the knowledge or skills or abilities that a better firefighter would have? And all the stuff offside, outside the fire ground. <clears throat> I keep thinking right away is that um, there is a lot of um, there's a lot of pride, courage, uh, sense of duty, and like bravado that comes with this 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 trade mm-hmm. um, for myself like I've been humbled more than I'd like with um, the mistakes I've made and the things I've seen so um, I think the things that I would I would say right away is that would be to prepare yourself for that and then also just just take and continue to be a student of this trade like it's it's not just about it's not just about like being a, a firefighter in this. It's, it's, it's about like how this is going to take and change your life too, because mm-hmm. it is. And just not, there's no master firefighter. Like that is not a thing. Like we are all students of this trade. Like day one to your last day on the job. And I can just tell you this, that I've, even in my experiences thus far, like I feel like I have, so much more to learn as that plays in everything else even how i'm going to take care of myself and my family because of what i do like um that's one thing and also too as far as just seeking professional help too so there is always going to be a stigma i hope i can't say always i would just hope that there's not always a stigma to it but um, I'm really thankful for being, I'm thankful for my wife and motivating me to go and, and seek professional help for myself and, um, being able to like connect with a, a therapist and talk through, um, being, or having depression and just kind of going through stuff with work. And then obviously my home life too, um, don't discredit that as an option to taking care of yourself. Um, and then obviously speak up to 
those that would speak against it. Um, so I had, I'm gonna land this plane. You, all right, I'm, let's I'm do gonna, it. I'm gonna land, I'm gonna land this plane. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> so I worked for Hometown Fire District, also uh, part-time fire department, just off of the south border of Chicago, small little town. And it was just like full of these just great guys and huge bond, really, really close, uh, had a good reputation everywhere they went. Um, you know, we, we went everywhere uh, for, for fires. It was a good time. It was a really great spot to work. Um, a lot of people went on there to work full-time elsewhere and just got a great start as far as firehouse experience and training um, and fire ground experience. Um, one thing that came out of there too was um, uh, a member of their department there, his name is Ryan Elwood, uh, killed himself. He, he took his own life and he was a huge part of that department and is like uh, immortalized. His name's on the rig and all the guys there would say, they, they never saw any sign of him wanting to hurt himself and kill himself. And, you know, they have this huge benefit for him. His family has this awesome charity um, that supports firefighters in training and, and uh, raises money for mental health, health awareness. And it's called React for Ryan is the name of the organization, React for Ryan. And one thing I, I see is that all of them wish now that they could have done something to help him, prevent him from making that decision. So my thing now is that anytime you hear someone speak poorly for someone taking care of themselves or a program taking care of themselves tell them to shut the fuck up like stop like i have seen it firsthand what people go through after one of their friends commits suicide and it's just like even just in my own family like yeah, yeah i feel like we have to say it over and over again and i'm a geek in this and so i i say like more people should know this but it's like getting help for something going on mentally is no different than getting help for a physical injury mm -hmm. right these stress injuries which are these reactions to acute and chronic stress without recovery mm -hmm. they can be treated and so we just need to show the courage to get it um you know one thing i wanted to cover a couple things so you know you mentioned pride and courage and bravado um and i think what it those are all well, pride and courage particularly can be really positive things and mm -hmm. they can be really corrosive things. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to take pride in? Like taking pride in being a strong human being, which means having that humility to understand that you don't know it all and that mm -hmm. you can't solve everything on your own. And not only can you not solve everything on your own, it's plain just stupid, too. It's mm -hmm. not how we're wired. So just having that humility of like, I don't understand all of the impacts of this job and to be curious about what are those impacts mm -hmm. of the job. And then that, that self-care piece is like how important that is. And that means staying physically fit, but uh, mentally fit and socially fit. So what do mm -hmm. I have to do to make my home life as good as possible? Mm -hmm. What are the sacrifices I have to make? 
<clears throat> and, it, and to tie into that, you talked a lot about how a lot of us feel, and you certainly really felt, this obligation to show up in the best version of yourself outside mm -hmm. your house mm -hmm. and in public settings in the firehouse. But then, you know, your wife and kids, particularly your wife, because your kids are so young, but we're not getting the best version of yourself because mm -hmm. you gave so much because you helped that need or what, what drove that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the one thing I've seen and it's, it's become more and more pronounced as of recently is that, uh, when I am going through, when I call them like seasons of depression, um, I'm still able to be my gregarious, funny, loud, self the, the the person i know i am when i'm out in public um and i i notice it a lot when i'm at work where i'm like i'm able to just still like be in the mix and and, and be myself and then as soon as i get in the parking lot to leave um and i'm literally like crossing the threshold of the parking lot on my way home i am like done so exhausted and what I'm noticing now more than ever is that it's taking more and more effort to be myself because of depression mm -hmm. and when I'm home now that I'm more withdrawn um, on my phone more I'm sleeping more I'm not engaging with my kids or my wife as much and my wife would say and if I, if I already said this again, I wish I got the James that everybody else sees. I wish I got the James that your friends see and your coworkers see. And she's right. She says it all the time to me, and she's spot on. Like, she gets the James that needs to, like, take and just be in a hole for a minute. And that minute tends to be two days mm -hmm. until I go back to work. And it's, like, it's not fair to them that I'm doing that, that, like... I'm only giving the best of myself to where I, when I'm at work. And, you know, I'm not going to try to have everybody else associate with that, but if anybody else does struggle with depression, like, you know, I'm sure that other people have gone through that and people that are like, oh, man, you know, I never saw anybody that that's person ever show signs of depression and they kill themselves. I'm like, well, I'm starting to get it now. Like, mm -hmm. I really am starting to get it. Because it's getting to the point now where it's just more and more exhausting. It's more and more exhausting. The more I'm like seeing how much it's wearing me out. And um, I've, this has been something that's been therapeutic for me, is being able to like talk about it that like, this is hard. This is way harder than I thought it'd be, you know? And I don't want this to be part of my life, but I'm sure someone with blood, high blood pressure doesn't want to have high blood pressure. So it's like, you know, it's just, this is just what I got, you know? Yeah. So this is what I got to deal with. And, you know, I got to deal with it well. And it's just like, dude, I'm so thankful because my, my wife is so resilient and is like, has become such an amazing rock. And like, we've gone through, a, we've had a horrible year, but... I am so amazed with who she is because I know for a fact that if I didn't have her as a sounding board and is just like being as steadfast as, is, as she is in certain things, like I I don't think I'd be where I'm at mentally right now without her help. That's great so. to hear that gratitude and appreciation for joy. I you know one thing it 
strikes me is I wonder, Brian Elwood was your Ryan, Ryan Elwood. Ryan Elwood, right, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Is I wonder what standard he was holding himself up to. Because mm -hmm. like you said, nobody saw it coming. He was this guy that was out there. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like that obviously he wasn't holding himself to a real standard. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing, I mean, just from what I know about mental mm -hmm. health and suicide and depression, <clears throat> and other people like that is like he wasn't that way all the time it's mm -hmm. kind of what i'm hearing uh, and is that you kind of are feeling the same way right you're demonstrating this person that's always up like mm -hmm. who would ever have known um and if we could just give people permission to say yeah i'm not always up or to to challenge people's belief that you don't always have to be the up and gregarious guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, hell, maybe your coworkers wish you would shut up every now and then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what's funny? If they hear this, they're probably going to be like, "Yeah, James, just shut up." Yeah, could you be depressed <laughs> a little bit more at work? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Oh my absolutely. god, <laughs> what do you think it's going to take for you to to change that to be? Because it seems like my take on it, and tell me if this is how you see it, is that you know, you as James, you've only got so much energy to put out there, and this gregarious and upbeat self takes a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so you don't have it at home. Like, so what do you, do you have a strategy or what's it gonna take for you to put out less energy at work? And then what, how, like, how could you be aided in that? Mm -hmm. So first thing was I had to strike a balance where I had to take and start really assessing my priorities and my priority in my life is my family. Uh, my prior, my first priority is my wife and my my marriage, and um, and as far as like trying to do a better job of like leading my wife in like to Christ and in in a, in a good way that I'm like failing at, and like noticing that and then trying. Uh, I don't believe that there's a, a, a different sense of trying in that matter, but like I definitely feel that like. Being present in that thought process has helped a lot. Then, like, taking care of my kids. And then the fire service. And it's like, trying to take this mental shift has been really hard because it's, it. there's a lot of, and everybody's going to associate with this one, this is one job that you are not handed. Nobody gives, just hands you a job and then the next day you're sitting on the back of a fire engine or a truck or an ambulance like you have to do a lot to earn this there's an earning process that you get here and in that earning process there's pride and there's nothing wrong with the pride of of this job but there is when it only is what you value mm -hmm. so I've had to take and just minimize what this is um, so striking a balance for myself has been really important. And then also too is like one thing I've, I've noticed is that like I've, I've had to force myself to be more open about like when I've, if I'm in a bad spot, like I got I know a couple coworkers that I can just be like, listen, dude, I'm not fucking there today. You know, like I could care less or, um, you know, or, or just be like, you know what, honestly, I want to go in this bunk room and just take a nap um so 
and I don't know if that's healthy or not, but that's kind of what I want to do. So let's just go through ladders or something, or let's just do something. Oh, um, so you don't know if it's healthy to take those breaks during the workday? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure yet because like the one thing that I have noticed with myself, and especially my way, the way depression works in my life, is that there is a part, there is a portion of it that just wants me to hide. Mm-hmm. There is a portion of it that just wants me to take and divert myself from the things that I'm meant to be doing. So I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying that I shouldn't put the energy out there and only there, but there needs to be certain places where that my energy really needs to be. So my energy needs to be with my family. Um, and then uh, therapy for me is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I've connected with uh, an awesome therapist and it's been really fruitful. Um, that's been something that's been really important to be able to take and process for me. I'm an external processor. I'm not an internal processor, as you can obviously tell. And uh, so that's been super important for me. Mm-hmm. So. so when you say like meant to be doing, like you feel this obligation to be uh, leading the charge of training at work, mm-hmm. or you are with a bunch of hard chargers that want to be out there training all the time? Or... No, I just feel like there's, to me, that's just something that, um, that's, that's, that's an instilled, an instilled um, portion of this trade that, like, to continue to be a student, there needs, there's something that needs to be done every day for it. Right. You know, um, so, and that could be something as simple as just appreciating your tools in the rig, um, to putting some love to them, or to, to getting out there, pulling lines if you're an engine, or dumping your entire ladder tray if you're a truck. Like, you know, it, it's, it's something to be done every day. And because it, 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 it keeps you there, keeps you humble, keeps you a student. So that's at least my perspective on it, so. I guess what I'm, what I'm observing, and I, I see it with myself, I've seen it with myself and others, is that, and you and I were just in total agreement, is a, mm-hmm. a big part of this job, uh, to thrive in this job, is taking part of all of you. Of taking, and so what I would like to see in the fire service is more purposeful time spent, like let's address the human part of us, right? mm-hmm. not, our lat, not our fire ground skills, but mm-hmm. let's address that other part of us in a really proactive way mm-hmm. each day. Because it's so easy to fall into that training trap. Mm-hmm. Like we gotta be better at advancing hose lines or reading smoke or operating mm-hmm. the engine. And yet the thing that kills more firefighters than anything else is mental illness through the mechanism of suicide and depression um, and all of the health effects that that causes. Mm-hmm. So my message, and I think it's yours, is like, can we be realistic about what's really harming us and start training on that? Mm-hmm. Put the ladder away. Mm-hmm. We, we trained on that last set, right? Let's talk about something that's really harming us. What are the skills that we can use? And how could we have helped you know, Ryan Elwood? Mm-hmm. What, what could I have done as a, as a firefighter to help a guy out that's, that's, that's struggling? Mm-hmm. And it's uncomfortable as hell, right? And it's also, it's hard for leaders and organizations because <clears throat> a ladder, ladder throwing a ladder is an objective skill, right? Mm-hmm. Did you drop it? Did you throw it right? You know, 
advancing a hose line with objective skill. Like your emotional reasoning, your ability to connect with other people, to connect with yourself, to ask for help, all of those are much more difficult skills. Mm -hmm. I don't really have the answer other yeah. than this is part of it, discussions like this is part of it. Like, wait a minute, what's really important here? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's been, it's been also good too is that um, kind of just come to the realization that I, I don't have I don't have it figured out. I don't have it figured out yet, you know. Um, but I'm not going to stop working on trying to because it's not just for my benefit that I do. It's for everybody around me too. And it's like I got to take care of the people that I care about too. So. So I guess to sum up a bit, right, the knowledge that young firefighters need, and frankly, old firefighters as well, mm -hmm. is that they need to understand the true social, mental, and physical toll of the job. Mm -hmm. And without understanding that whole piece of it, they're going to retire less of a person than they need to be, less of a husband, wife, father, daughter, boyfriend, son, whatever, than they could be. Mm -hmm. And um, the courage part to me... So how I see courage is that you, you can't demonstrate courage unless you have fear, right? Because if you're not afraid, then you're just doing your job. Right? Mm -hmm. But when you're actually afraid and you take that step anyway, that's demonstrating courage. What seems to me in this bravado that you saw that you were so attracted to in Chicago Fire and, and I did and a lot is that, um, yeah, we're, we're courageous guys. But what scares most of us is this stuff that's going on inside, this conversation that you and I are having. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, I've got depression, or hey, I'm, I'm struggling in, in this regard. That's what scares most of us is this internal environment. And so if we're really going to be courageous firefighters and leaders, I, I think that's where we need to turn. It's like, what are my shortcomings? And realizing that we all have imposter syndrome, like none of us feel totally adequate all the time. And if we can just be realistic about that, mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, here's my bugaboos. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Um, I know you, it's important for you to talk about the work that Kelly Girlcrest is doing at Denver mm -hmm. Fire. So give me a synopsis of what that and what you want to share with that and why you think it's so important yeah absolutely thank you for letting me do this so um kelly gilcrest is a firefighter for denver fire department and she has been for quite some time the whole family has been on it husband's a firefighter um and kelly came offline and took the position of the resiliency coordinator for our department because she thought this was so important um, and she's put together a program called Recess, essentially, um, that allows you to, if you're going through a struggle at home mentally and, like, you are just burnt out and you need to come offline, you can come offline for three weeks. And um, I'm just going to preface this right now because everybody hears that and, and thinks it's a vacation. Like... No, this is not for you to just take three weeks offline. Like, this is actually to take three weeks to put back to yourself, to give back to yourself, um, and to take care of yourself. So, Recess Programs, uh, Program has a, a ridiculous amount of resources um, that connects you with uh, therapists, uh, chiropractic, or chiropractic, 
acupuncture, float tanks, uh, PT, and what they're going to end up doing is essentially when you come offline, you would go to the training academy. Obviously, guys and girls, this is specific to Denver Fire Department. Um, right now, you'd be assigned to the uh, the academy division, and um, their main thing is they want you to go to bed every night in your own bed and get a good night's sleep. Um, take care of yourself. They they do want you to work out, and then options to talk and speak with. Uh, mental health professionals. Uh, professionals. Um, they strongly encourage a diet program with it, and they put you on foods that are going to truly put back to yourself. And um, the reason why this is so important to me is because I use this. Um, I in February of this year, my father died unexpectedly, and then uh, four days after he died my brother-in-law committed suicide. So between those two things, a new baby, a move, and a career change, uh, my whole life turned upside down. And I went back to work after two weeks of burying people, and I was fucking done. Mm -hmm. And I wanted nothing to do with going on calls. I wanted nothing to do with being in a firehouse. Um, and I was just, I was shit full of it. And I was completely burnt out. And I was just encouraged to just go sit down and talk with her. And Kelly was talking about the, the program and she's like, James, you can come offline for three weeks and you can just take care of yourself, go home, be with your family every night and, you know, help your wife take care of your kids because you got to figure we came back after all that my wife's at home with my two kids mm -hmm. two still, high energy boys yeah two high energy just animals like tearing apart the house and she's trying to grieve and um i was i was so thankful for it i didn't take the 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 offline program that they had like i took the hybrid program where i essentially was able to utilize the resources they had while I was still online. Um, but here's one of the awesome things that it does too is uh, Kelly takes and vets a lot of the mental health professionals that are connected with Denver Fire. So she'll take and go through our insurance and talk through uh, the, the therapist that they would be able to connect with and she vets them to see who would be a good fit for firefighters and spouses so she connected my wife with help mm -hmm. she and not only that did she connect my wife with help like she actually streamlined it so it was just like hey joy call this person they're waiting for you and um was able to give the resources that i got not only to myself but my family and that was awesome so Huge benefit, and I'm super thankful for it, and I'm, I think it's going to be a huge thing for this department, and I really hope that people utilize the resources that are there and, um, you know, don't just look at it as a three-week vacation. <laughs> so <laughs> I know Kelly, yeah. and uh, she has got a great way of her. She's, for, she's a beautiful person in so many regards, but... And she's tough. She doesn't. She's she's a firefighter, right? There's no bullshit involved. And you know what I'm hearing. What that is, it was great to hear about that program. Is it just it takes people like 
puts this mirror up to him, like, look at what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, overwhelm, and let's focus on being real about seeing ourselves as, as this whole entity. Like, we need to sleep. Like, in the fire service, we need to get over this, like, oh, I just, I don't need sleep, right? It's like, mm -hmm. that's dumb. Mm -hmm. Human beings need sleep. And I can eat shitty food all day long and potato chips and sugar and stuff and still be fine. We know that's not true, right? The better physically conditioned you are, the better mentally, um, more resilient and socially resilient. So mm -hmm. just really getting purposeful about being healthier people instead of this macho of, I've got this, I'm going to be this grizzled old dude and retire as a, sh as a shell. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, that's so helpful to have emergency service-informed counselors and trauma-trained because you know, they're not like, oh, that sounds weird, or tell me about your job, or you saw what? That's horrifying. Mm -hmm. like, these, these therapists, they get us. They understand us. You know, you and I were laughing about it, is that we all have our unique journey, right? Certainly years of your small kids, you lost your dad, um, Joy lost her brother, you know, that's unique to you. But the overwhelm that both of you felt is a common for all of us. And mm -hmm. these professionals see that. Mm -hmm. And then when they can just help them normalize it, it's like, oh, of course. I actually remember our, we work with Sarah Met, Dorito now Mets, but mm -hmm. I, when I was in the grinder, I was feeling depressed. And I called her up and I said, let me run, this is how I'm feeling. And uh, these are all the things going on in my life. And she's like, yep. Yeah. You sound depressed, and it sounds like you've got a shit ton of headwinds and a lot of weight on your back. And like, let's come up with a strategy, or what's our plan to address those things? And then when we can kind of address those things, let's check in where you're going. So the first thing she said wasn't, let's put you on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's figure out why, what's going on with you, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, I hope people understand and hear your enthusiasm for it is like these people know and can help mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're crazy it means you've had some wisdom for Christ's sakes to ask for help that about something you don't know mm -hmm. all about yeah and it's this is all meant so that you can continue to go back to work like so that if if you're having a hard time being online or in your home life like you could still go back to work if, if that's what you want like you can go back and still survive and I think that that's what's most important because just when you and I see it, all the people that are just completely burned out, you know? Well, the, the choice is, are you going to keep loading up this backpack that you're carrying um, and refuse to offload it because of machismo or because of ignorance or because of what you think culture is and continue to load it up until your back breaks and you have to go? Until you can't fix it? Mm -hmm. Or are you going to be reasonable and ask for help and say no to some things and get some help so that you're you're not irreparably damaged mm -hmm. or you don't hurt yourself so bad mentally or socially um or physically that it's just going to be a hell of a long road of recovery mm -hmm. yeah. early course correction yep all right dude i uh, i i so appreciate you being on here yeah thank you man i appreciate your time too thanks for inviting me yeah. All right. James Perrazzo, Denver Fire, uh, mm -hmm. a courageous dude. He's been through the shit. Um, you know, professionally, he's seen a lot of stuff. I know you've seen some things that you've seen. Uh, I think your your clarity is why, your clarity of, 
of how comically dysfunctional we can be in this job is really helpful for people here and i love how matter of fact you are so i think too when your coworkers and others hear you speak like this there's going to be a big sense of gratitude for for them and my my observation is your experience is going to be really positive there might be a few negative detractors but i know this culture and we really do care about each other as tough as we think we are we're a bunch of really emotionally sensitive folks in this job that's mm-hmm. why we get out of it so mm-hmm. dude i appreciate your courage yeah appreciate thank you being here yeah thanks for your time too all right appreciate it mm-hmm. on compartmentalization roll so, with what your thoughts are all right so <clears throat> as far as like just trying to image it like put it put an image to it it's like even like you were talking about as far as like we're we're kind of told to 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 compartmentalize things Mm -hmm. like if it's you know people say keep your work life at work and keep your home life at home you know leave your boots at the door um it's just expressions like that um where it's like you got to separate these things i think it's which i like so that's great, but how the hell did you do that, right? Hey, leave your boots at the door. So the fact that you didn't get any sleep last night because you're running, maybe there, there was not any, they're all fire alarms or nothing mm-hmm. big deals. Like, so how are you supposed to leave your, you're just supposed to be this one person that always shows up as you know, Mr. Ben O'Brien, perfect husband and father when he shows up with no sleep in 48 hours. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, so I always just look at it as, um, That if 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 it is compartmentalizing and you just have these little boxes of things, it, the the fire service one, being a firefighter is right next to your family, your children, your or sorry your your home, your fa- your children, your wife, your hobbies, your health, um, friendships, everything that that firefighting box has eventually fills up mm-hmm. and just spills over it and everything else and i mean like you were you you made a good point too as far as just like well um trying to be trying to act like uh, a firefighter at home with with your wife and right. or your or your husband and tell and tell me how that works like right that that shit doesn't work <laughs> it's not gonna work well and it's so it's like, and, um, I always look at it from an aspect of, of thinking about time, the actual time you spend with the people in your life. Like I've always, I, I feel called to, to, to be intentional with my time with people. Um, to, I take relationships with people seriously and um, I want to develop and foster and help love people well around me. So... But whether you that's your approach or not, if you're in the fire service, typically you're going to spend a third of your professional career with the people you work with. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it from a, an actual perspective of time spent with those people, hour to hour could be way more than the time you actually spend on your off days with your family mm-hmm. actually being around. So... It's very hard for me to even think that there's a separation. Now, 
even though even too like like my one thing that um, I'm sure I'm not alone in hearing this uh, but I was just thinking about this sitting here like my wife always asks me or always says like I'm so tired of hearing about your work life when people ask you other people ask you about it and like I'll hear about something that happened that I didn't know happened and um your wife says that yes like, my oh, wife says yeah that like, would have been awesome to tell me that yeah and it's like it's so funny because she's spot on mm -hmm. she's not wrong at all like that's exactly what happens but I still feel like it's still that it's a different compartment and I'm trying to keep wife away from you know firefighting compartment because this compartment just either driving me crazy or it's just stuff that I don't want her to know you know um, and I want to keep these two things separate and it's really interesting too is because like the, the longer we've been together the more she wants to know and truly I think it's just because she wants to be able to care for me better you know what do you think she wants to know I, well let me let me preface this is is we find one is what you said earlier is, is being the firefighter or whatever your role is at home uh, when we've done couples nights <coughs> how comical <clears throat> and prevalent that is. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, direct orders, like that doesn't work for three-year-olds or your wife or mm -hmm. uh, rearranging the dishes in the dishwasher. You know, we're not just, they, they didn't marry a firefighter. Yeah, to, you know, to make sure that everything's squared away and yeah, the hose is washed and the rig's back together. They want mm -hmm. someone that's loving and caring. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of, it's very common for firefighters to, respond to their spouse uh, we get home we there's obviously something we're off or whatever there's something different i mean there are spouses right so they mm -hmm. know us well uh, and they say what's up james and you know since something seems wrong he's like i'm fine and we fundamentally we've just lied to them right because they mm -hmm. know something's off or mm -hmm. different and we know it is and then we say nope everything's good and so that just adds this little seed of disconnection in these marriages and my experience is that firefighters commonly say, well, I don't want to traumatize my wife and tell her about this femur or that kid or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But your wife doesn't really want, a lot of wives don't want the details. They just want to know your response to it. And mm -hmm. that's where we're, I think you said, this is just bullshit in the way in which we're approaching this. Mm -hmm. It's like, they want to know what's going on with you and your emotional response. Mm -hmm. And like it or not, as a man, we have emotions. Mm -hmm. So, because... Uh, so I guess my question is to you is like what does your wife want to know I think most of it is she probably wants to know like how I'm processing things mm -hmm. um, and a big statement she'll say is I am tired of feeling like you have a completely separate life away from me mm-hmm and all I have is my life with you and our family. And I get that. That makes complete sense because there's a good portion of it she's right. You know, that it's, there's a lot of this job that, you know, you give of yourself away from your family. Mm -hmm. You know, like you give a good portion of yourself away that your family could have, you know, with this job, but it's just part of it, you know? So, and it can be a beautiful thing, but yeah, mm -hmm. we're giving of ourselves 
physically, but also really emotionally and yeah. intellectually. And so we, we can't show up in that way. I think that's, I love that her interest is how are you processing this? Mm -hmm. Which comes back to the in compartmentalizing, which is a strategy of avoidance, which is powerful and effective and should be used in the short term because mm -hmm. it allows us to focus on the task at hand so we can get it done without an overwhelming emotional response, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, if you had, and your medics had been so upset during that pediatric call that you were in tears, you wouldn't have been able to do anything mm -hmm. for that kid. So obviously we have to focus, but that only goes on for a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so integration, what does that mean to you? Because I see it, I see is like there's avoidance and then integration, which is the only mm -hmm. way that we get through this fire career mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Well, <clears throat> I always look, I, I guess I just always think about it from just like a leadership perspective, and I'm not talking like a bugle in this, but um, leading people until, I guess, like having a, a good life, like at, at home and, or excuse me, at work, like from in my perspective and from what I've seen well is that um, the camaraderie and bond you have with your coworkers increases when you understand each other better. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you when you're more when you're more self-aware of or more aware of of your coworkers and and you know because I do truly believe in the brother and sisterhood that this trade has. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, I've seen it, and um, it's awesome. When you're, when you're, like, when you have that brotherhood, sisterhood, it is, it is an awesome thing to see. Like, one of my favorite stories is the last department I worked for, um, Broadview Fire, was <clears throat> every Saturday we would do family night. And we take in everybody's family would come to the firehouse. And we'd make, like, mm -hmm. we'd make, you know... 20 pizzas and there's kids running everywhere we got tables set out on the bay you know uh we had like a pool set up on the patio for the kids and stuff like that and they would come for you know four hours three four hours and chief would be there you know she'd show up and it was just awesome because like the 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 bond that that crew had it was the best one i've had we were all so tight, but it's because that there, there wasn't that compartmentalization. Like we integrated, we understood like who our kids were and, you know, bonded with each other's families and knew the struggles of what each other were going through. And, um, we're able to talk about like, you know what, I just got in a huge fight with joy and I'm, you know what, I'm fucked up today. Like I'm, I'm not having it today or, you know, um, I'm start, I'm I'm in a real bad season of depression right now, and I'm not sleeping, and I feel like shit. And you know, just speaking for stuff for myself, and having guys being able to like, yeah, cool, dude. What do you need? You know, because mm -hmm. like really, that's that's what it is. It's caring for each other in this because like the better because, I, and what I just saw is like in that there was a better bond on the fire ground. Right. It was a way better bond. It was tighter. You know, we were more fluid. And 
uh, you're able to understand and anticipate and read each other better, you know? So there was a better integration I saw there. I think where the challenge is, is people are, do you think they're, they're concerned about managing those boundaries, right? Because on one hand, we say, don't bring your family uh, life to work. But what the old culture, and I think it is changing, is that's like, don't bring your family problems to work. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, how many guys do you know that have the picture of their kids on their helmet, mm -hmm. underneath their helmet? Or if you listen to guys that have been in situations like that ceiling collapse and have had kids and they've said stuff along the lines of, well, I thought that was done. I was dead. I knew I was dead. And then mm -hmm. my family popped into my brain and I knew I had to get out. Mm -hmm. So I mean, our family is always there. Our mm -hmm. job is always there where we can support each other by like, sharing these stories, I think, and our actual techniques is how do we how do we manage that? Like you're still a competent professional when you show up to work uh, on your ladder company, even though you're maybe struggling with depression, or even mm -hmm. though you know you've had something going on in your marriage, right? You can still show up and manage, and when we can acknowledge that just more readily, that yeah, I can still do this job. I don't have to be the lone wolf and handle it on my own. That's what you're talking about integration is. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just start seeing our, each other mm -hmm. in this more holistic way. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I might have told this uh, on another podcast, but, you know, <clears throat> one, I think it takes courage to say that I've, you've got depression, right? Or I'm struggling. And mm -hmm. I, it takes courage because we we're risking that disconnection from others. Mm -hmm. But as you said, it's like, screw it. Like, it's, it's too harmful to do anything else. So you kind of, you owe it to yourself and you see that you owe it to other people. I remember when I was going through my divorce, I had a couple particularly rough mornings. I think I told you this last time, I'm laying on my kitchen floor, it's 5.30 in the morning, before shift, like crying in the fetal position, snot's coming out of my nose, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna go to work. Mm -hmm. That'll be the good thing I'll do, it'll distract me. Mm -hmm. And I think the first time I tried that, I made it till 9 a.m., and it's like, I can't, I can't mm -hmm. do it. And the second time was, you know, I made it till 10, but I was at a multi-company training, literally sitting on the back of bumper of a rig, uh, with snot coming out of my nose and the battalion chief saw me he's like get in my car and dozens of guys saw me like that sobbing mm -hmm. and I'd never heard one thing other than support from those people like wow that looked really rough mm -hmm. so I guess your challenge to people my challenge to people is like get over yourself of what you think it means to be a man and mm -hmm. think of yourself of what it means to be a human being first mm -hmm. yeah amen absolutely absolutely all right, I think we just put a pen in it then. <laughs>